0: <laughs> we laughed. This out. that was so cute. Hello, hello.
1: Welcome back to Diagnosing a Killer. I'm koel and
0: I'm Kenna. If you can't tell, because we sound the same, apparently we do. I can't believe
1: we laughed the same way.
0: That was weird. I wanna. I'm like excited already to go back and listen. to And to that. listen to it. Yeah. Ugh,
1: that's so creepy. Uh-huh. Why? I was reading this thing today. It was identical twins who married identical twins,
0: and, and then had...
1: had. Well, they just had two babies, but <laughs> which oh. is not where you thought
0: that was going. I was say, you had identical twins. They <laughs> all had
1: identical twins, um, but since identical twin DNA is the same. Technically, their sons, even though they're cousins, are brothers.
0: Ugh, I feel like that's kind of (laughs) weird. Right? I don't know. They they probably look exactly alike. And their
1: names were all J's or whatever. It's just because the DNA is the same. So it's like they have two dads or two moms.
0: But they look alike?
1: Biologically. Yeah, they're identical twins. (gasps) So the dads look the same. And even the kids were like, two daddies? Two mommies? Because they look the same.
0: Oh my god, I bet that gets really confusing.
1: (laughs) I bet it does. They're kids, though. I think they're, like, maybe a year old each. Yeah. But they're only, like, three months apart, the kids are. So they look like twins.
0: Wow, that's crazy. What if they were born on the same day? That would be even wilder. (laughs) That would be so weird. How's everyone doing? Doing good? All of the listeners? I know you can't respond, but...
1: I mean, you could,
0: you could, if you, you want to email you us, could email us. We haven't gotten any more emails, so we're still looking for that. But I am excited to say that we, and I don't know who you're doing, but we have both kind of talked about recently, the fact that we're both doing like pretty big names for our next couple cases. I want to say, like, we might even skip over, like, doing a mental breakdown, because yours is going to be a long case, mine's going to be a two-parter, so we're going to have, like, a lot of content coming out. Right. So, honestly, just maybe, just for now, like, not do a mental breakdown and just put all of our energy into just these cases. cases. Yeah. yeah. Um, stop. <laughs> I can't. Saying. I can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> stop having that voice. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm really excited to see who you or to know who you're doing, and I don't think we have anything really else to talk about, so...
1: We are gonna talk about oh my Eileen. God. War-
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who? Long.
1: Eileen Warnos.
0: Oh yay! Okay, this is a good one. We've been wanting to to do this one. Yeah,
1: I think. Uh, yeah, I think it's her time. It's her time to shine. Oh man, she's still alive, right? Oh no! 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 <gasps> now! I now! Know everything. Now!
0: Oh my god! Okay.
1: Diane Warnos was just 14 years old when she married 18-year-old husband Leo Pittman in June of 1954. Not much to say about Diane at this point. However, Leo was in and out of mental institutions and prisons. Keep in mind, he's only 18 at this point.
0: Yeah, this is already going downhill.
1: This is great. Almost one year later, the couple gave birth to their first child named Keith in March... And Diane would find herself pregnant again in 1956 with a daughter named Eileen. Mm. Before Eileen's birth, however, the couple would divorce. She was like, I think she was like born two months later. So Leo had actually suffered from schizophrenia and was, um, his whole life, I'm assuming. But schizophrenia at 18, though.
0: That's when it usually starts. Really? In men, like, late teens, early 20s, so.
1: But he was already in and out of mental institutions before that, so. Some, well,
0: you know, in Andre Thomas's case, you you saw signs of schizophrenia when he was, like, 10, 8 or 10. So, it, I mean, it's not a cut and dry thing right. when it starts.
1: Uh, Leo was actually convicted of st- sexually assaulting a seven-year-old and beat her and he was actually incarcerated for his crimes two months before Eileen was born.
0: That's disgusting. And
1: that's why Diane filed for divorce. Well good for her. Right well Well, let's not pat her on the back just yet (laughs) all right (laughs) y'all let's just not do that. (laughs) So Eileen Pittman was born two months later um so Diane was now 16 years old at this point with two children. Ooh.
0: That's, I mean, but then it's like, what, the 50s? I mean, that wasn't that uncommon. Yeah, but it wasn't
1: the 30s. (laughs) No, it's right. Yeah, in the 50s. And and keep in mind, this is after World War II. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people were having babies. Yeah. Diane struggled to provide for her two children. So after four years of struggling, by 1960, she decided that she couldn't take care of her kids anymore. So she ended up dropping them off at her estranged parents' house.
0: So the kids' grandparents. Okay.
1: But they weren't on good terms.
0: So she's just like, sayonara? She's like, well, this is like
1: the closest slash not closest way of like still having my kids.
0: Okay, that doesn't make any sense. But
1: she just dipped. She straight up dipped. I think she ended up moving to Texas. Hmm. So another fun fact about Diane's parents is that they're both raging alcoholics. Hmm. So although the children did not know that the people that they began to live with were actually their biological grandparents... They thought that they were their biological parents.
0: How old were they when they got dropped off?
1: Uh, four years old. Four and five.
0: I feel like that's old enough though to not know that those aren't your parents. But you just
1: like think of you know what I mean? Like if you were just told that those are your biological parents,
0: that's true. They I actually guess.
1: legally adopted them as well within this like few months that they gained.
0: Well, yeah, and to be fair, then. dad wasn't around, and mom might have just been like, "Oh, I'm." Just I'll say dad care wasn't around. You. Yeah, he was
1: in a prison. <laughs> For a <laughs> horrible crime.
0: But yeah, that makes, maybe they were like, oh, that was like your adoptive mom, like your foster mom, or oh, whatever, and where we're your real parents. Yeah, she exactly. She us. was just
1: watching you hmm. or something. So they understood that these grandparents were their biological parents. So the grand, like I said, the grandparents legally adopted them. But over the next, you know, formidable years that the kids would have, essentially Eileen and supposedly keith um were actually physically and sexually abused by the grandfather oh
0: my god
1: so her grandfather would actually content warning not if that one wasn't one already but um her grandfather would actually allow his friends to also abuse the kids
0: yeah that is literally so fucking disgusting it's so gross and like in what world are you going over like hey you got any children for me to abuse right like, let's just make this like a group fucking thing it's like that is so gross, gross. it's
1: disgusting. So, of course, you know, um, Eileen, being taught this at a very young age, she yeah. began to be sexually active with boys in school, um, and then she would actually start using this, uh, using sexual activity to trade things for, like, food and yeah. drugs and cigarettes.
0: It's like a form of payment? Yeah,
1: and she's, like, 11, 12 years old at this point.
0: Oh, my God.
1: So she's using this at a really young age. This was, like, an asset to her. So at 12, it would be revealed that Eileen's parents quote-unquote were actually her grandparents it was revealed to her somehow and so at this point she's like well fuck you guys like you know i have no want or attachment to you at this point so in 1969 leo Pittman, who's eileen's bio dad he actually committed suicide in prison um and so she never met her biological father.
0: Yeah, because he was gone before she was born, and then in prison.
1: Well, and then she didn't. She just thought that these people were her yeah. biological parents, and didn't know who her biological parents really were. And then learning that these people aren't your biological parents, but you want to know more about your biological parents. But when,
0: but was he really worth? Unalives, huh? Was he really worth knowing, though?
1: No, that, he's a total piece of shit. It's not like he was a good yeah. guy. <laughs> like, so. I actually put that in there. <laughs> yeah. Not that he sounded like a great dude or anything. Yeah. So by 14 and 1970, Eileen would actually find herself pregnant by one of her grandfather's friends.
0: Oh, my God. That's that, so gross.
1: In that same year, Eileen's grandmother would actually pass due to cirrhosis of the liver because they were constant alcoholics so she's pregnant her grandmother dies who's probably i mean i'm not saying she was a great woman either but clearly better than the grandfather probably um and who knows how much shit she knew about about what her husband was doing but to lose her grandmother while she was pregnant and so uh eileen eventually gave birth to a son but gave it up for adoption of course right she's 14 So by 15, her and her brother would actually be kicked out of the grandfather's home because the kids were getting a little older, stronger, and more rebellious. So he wasn't going to deal with it, and his wife had passed. So go on. I'll just live my life by myself now.
0: He didn't want children in the house that were going to be objecting to this sexual abuse. abuse. Exactly. That's so fucking gross. I know he said that like eight times already, but that's literally disgusting.
1: So finding this out, Diane, bio mom, is like, hey, y'all should just come to Texas. And the kids were like, nah, fuck off. <laughs> Yo, so you want us now? Now you want us. Yeah. So apparently Diane had gotten her life together at this point, And maybe she was like dating a dude, but she also had really res- like strict rules, yeah. which is funny. So she's like, well, you can come to Texas, but if you're going to come to Texas, like y'all need to work and y'all need to da, 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 And they were like, no, we've yeah. had absolutely no structure our whole life. Now you're going to impose this on us? No. So at this point, Eileen is 15 and Keith is 16. Kids.
0: Yeah, like little children.
1: So Keith and Eileen, who, Eileen now goes by Lee. She told everybody that her, fr- you know, to call her Lee. Um, She dropped out of school. I mean, could uh, you blame her?
0: Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't have
1: a, she doesn't, she's homeless. Like, so they actually lived in the woods, very close to the house that they were raised in because they didn't know what else to do.
0: Like, yeah, like, where you don't know any other part of the world. Like, you've you never don't. been anywhere else. Right. So Lee would
1: actually prostitute for money and maybe Keith too, I'm not sure. Um, so the kiddos kind of hitchhiked together across the country. They hopped around prostituting and committing petty thievery along the way. Mm-hmm. And they did that for about four years. And in 1974, Lee would have her first official run-in with the law. While in Colorado, 18-year-old Lee was intoxicated driving a car as she was drunk driving she actually pointed a 22 pistol out of the car and was just shooting like up in the air along the highway (laughs) so yeah she was (laughs) i mean she was a kid 18 but still it's like so anyways she was arrested for these offenses Mm -hmm. and soon to follow those arrests she would actually be arrested along the way for over the course of the years Forging checks, disorderly conduct, armed robbery, and eventually Grand Theft Auto. Damn. So she's just racking up she's going for yeah. it. So in nineteen seventy six, Lee would actually move down to Florida where she would meet her future husband. Oh. He was sixty nine year old, Lewis Fell. He was a yacht club president and a well off man from uh, successes in stock trading.
0: Okay, so the like, complete opposite. Complete of what she's opposite. Used to.
1: And he found her she was hitchhiking. Yeah and They struck up a conversation, and I guess they just started becoming friends, Mm. and so eventually they married. 21-year-old Lee saw the opportunity to have a stable and maybe a stable life, and maybe even the worst of it would be over for her, but under the surface, she's still a very hurt, traumatized person. Of course, yeah. So she would have outbursts and tantrums, um, and they eventually turned physical, and um, mostly towards her new husband. And keep in mind, the dude is like 69 or 70. In one instance, she actually beat him with his own cane. When he refused to give her money, that's not not funny. Why are you laughing then?
0: That's not funny. I'm so sorry.
1: (laughs) Why? Why are you laughing then?
0: (laughs) You know what, bitch? Sorry, that's not funny. I don't know. (laughs) You know what? It also reminds me of I watched Charlie's Angels last night, and the Mm -hmm. thin man has like that cane sword. Yeah, that's (laughs) what I thought of too.
1: Oh, it's awful! It's awful, right? She was also notorious for starting conflicts at their local bar that they frequented as well. So, after only nine weeks of marriage, Lewis filed for divorce and a restraining order after Lee was charged with an assault on a fellow bargoer.
0: Oh my God! Wait, do you did you mention how long they were together before they got married? Oh, okay. Because I don't know. Oh, no, no worries. I was just just asking. I was like, it seems like they got married rather quickly. They did. And then all of a sudden, yeah, it's like 10 weeks later and 10 weeks later, they get divorced. That's wild.
1: Just four days after being arrested, her brother Keith would actually pass away from cancer at just (gasps) 21 years old.
0: What?
1: Super sudden. Keith uh, also had a life insurance policy of $10,000 that was given to Lee. Lee would need all of two months to go through $10,000. Oh, my God. She brought, uh, most notably, bought a luxury car only to total it short, shortly after that.
0: Okay, so all of these things are against her. Like, everything from childhood, like, on, like, I'm not at all trying to say that she kind of has a past for acting this way. But, like, what would you do if it's you were in horrible. that situation? Like, it's, I would probably yeah. be a maniac drinking as well, Oh, of you course. Know? Of
1: course. I would be a party idiot. So around this time, her grandfather actually also committed suicide.
0: Oh my God! She's just like no one in my family like cares about me or wants to be around me or whenever,
1: stays. Whenever stays. Ever. In 1978, Lee, tired and broke, decided to also commit suicide. She shot herself in the stomach, but survived and recovered after being rushed to the hospital and being treated. I did treated. not know that. This was actually her sixth attempt since age 14. Yeah.
0: Oh, my God. Other times were
1: overdoses or purpose overdoses and stuff like that.
0: God, what a horrible life.
1: Isn't that awful? You're 20 years old. On May 20th, 1981, Lee would walk into a convenience store, hold a gun to a clerk, and demand money in the register and two packs of cigarettes. She made away with $35. Lee was arrested, and a year later, she would be taken to prison to serve her one-year sentence. She was released on June 30th, 1983, Less than a year later, she would be arrested again for forging checks. This pattern of serious crimes, arrest, prison time, and releases continue for three years. Dang. So just trying to get money, get arrested, go to prison, get released, try to get money, get arrested, go to prison, just kept going and going. And she had a big, big rap sheet.
0: There's never any, like, veering off to, like, get this person any ongoing treatment or help, or, like, clearly no. she's struggling, like, clearly she's doing this for a reason. Like, there's none of that. It's right. It's just, like oh you're a piece of shit you're getting arrested okay you're gonna serve your time okay go go away yeah like no rehabilitation whatsoever yeah it's just like clockwork a cycle
1: but i mean it's she's 14 and she's pregnant nobody at school said anything nobody did anything apparently there was like neighbors that had said they knew what was going on but nobody's reporting this
0: like was that like a common thing back then i don't know
1: well i don't know her mom was so i mean i don't know
0: just seems like there has, like, been zero attempt thus far by anyone, including herself, to get help to for her. To,
1: yeah, exactly. And the only way that she knows how to help herself is through her body. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's really sad. In 1986, Lee would walk into a local gay spot called the Zodiac and meet the woman that would change her life forever. <laughs> I love doing that. Tyria Moore was 24 years old, and she was a hotel maid who had just weeks earlier moved from her hometown of... Cadiz, Ohio. Cadiz. <laughs> Cadiz. I guess that's C A D I Z. Cadiz. Cat is. Tyria was brought up relatively conservative, but had always known that she was gay. She intended to move to Florida with the intention of living her life as her true self, yeah. which you know was a queer woman. Ty said about the night that she met Lee, quote, "She was alone and I was alone. We started a conversation. Then she came home with me that night. From that moment on, the couple were inseparable." Aww. However, it did take some time for Ty to realize that Lee was a prostitute. Slowly, Lee started to tell her about her troubled upbringing, and she admitted that she had a criminal past and that she was, in fact, in in the sex trade business. Mm -hmm. In any case, Ty didn't really mind being doted over, taken care of, for the most part, because Lee always had money. Lee told Ty that she didn't need to work, and so she asked Ty to quit her job Mm -hmm. as a maid. Um, as Lee made enough money to provide for the both of them. Ty, however, was really concerned for Lee's safety and insisted that they could find other means to make money that didn't involve Lee ha- having to prostitute. Yeah. Lee was adamant, however, that her earnings would be enough to keep them surviving and happy. But despite the tug of war between them, they clearly loved one another, and they even started calling each other wife and wife, Aww. which is really cute. Um, but clearly, like, I think Lee moves really quickly in relationships, too, given the, mm. you know... The marriage and stuff, it's very world one for her. Lee would say about the relationship years later, quote, It was love beyond imaginable. Earthly words cannot describe how I felt about Tyria. Which is so sweet.
0: That's really sweet.
1: Uh Lee and Ty hustled and lived comfortably for the next three years together. So it was definitely long term. It wasn't yeah. a few months. But all that would change come late November 1989 when Lee came home to confess one more terrible secret of hers.
0: Bum bum bum. And that's where we're gonna start for part one. No, no. I'm just <laughs> just
1: no. Lee had gone out that night, like most nights, to make money in exchange for sex or companionship. When she came home to Ty, Lee was driving a 1977 Cadillac that Ty had never seen before. Lee began to explain the night she had by stating that a John had picked her up in that very Cadillac earlier in the night. The two drove off to a secluded spot in the woods and then began to talk. Content warning. As the two began to engage in sexual activity, the John began to assault Lee, beating her, strangling her, and sexually assaulting her. Oh my god. The attack would last an hour or so as Lee was forced to perform sexual acts on the man and with the man. Lee, having a moment to reach inside of her purse, pulled out a twenty two revolver and shot the man several times in self-defense. Throughout listening to all of this, Ty insisted that she didn't want to know anything about the incident, saying, quote, I told her I didn't want to know anything about it. And any time that she would come home after that and say certain things, telling me about where she got something, I said I didn't want to hear it. This was too full for Ty, as she didn't approve of Lee's going out and prostituting. Anyways, it made her uncomfortable, but it was also because she was terrified she was going to be labeled as an accomplice for any of these crimes.
0: They need to get married. You Can't testify against your spouse. Oh, that's so true. Sorry, that's this is bad. also nineteen
1: eighty nine where you can't have same sex
0: marriages. Oh. I was going to say, that sounds really bad, and I don't mean to excuse what she did, but clearly it was self-defense, like, very clearly, which I've always said, like, if I was ever forced to kill someone in self-defense, like, I would be so pissed at that person. Like, Mm -hmm. I would, I don't know what I would do. Like, that's so scary, but I would, I would do it if I had to, you know? Right.
1: On December 13th, 1989, two young men were scouring side ditches along a dirt road near Highway 75 in Pinellas County. They were looking for scrap metal to sell or trade. There in the dirt, they came across a rolled out piece of carpet, however, inside the carpet held a body. (gasps) Just a week before this discovery, the 1977 Cadillac belonging to 51-year-old Richard Charles Mallory was found abandoned outside of Daytona. This was the first inkling that some harm may have come to the man, Richard Mallory. Mallory owned his own repair shop, like an electronic repair shop, and was known to come and go from work as he pleased. He had very little concern for anything other than booze or women and was described by most as a paranoid man. He was known to go on day-long benders and would often change the locks on his front door out of fear because he was a paranoid man. I think something like six locks in a year.
0: Do you think he had schizophrenia?
1: Maybe. It was actually revealed to um, Lee and Ty once the murder broke into the media that he was actually previously serving time for rape. Oh. So th- the story that Lee told Ty, Ty was like, okay, well, that backs up what she was Makes saying. Sense. Yeah. So, is it really that far-fetched? Probably yeah. not. Besides that, another woman was named as a person of interest in the killing. A woman um, by the name of Chastity. She was actually an exotic dancer. Chastity had actually confessed to Mallory's murder in an argument with her boyfriend, and Mallory was one of her frequent clients. However, it was determined that Chastity said this as a means to, like, threaten the boyfriend and didn't have any substantial evidence leaking her to the crime scene at all.
0: I hate when people do that shit. Right? Like, just shut up. Like, why are you trying to take credit for something like that? Yeah. You really want that to be what someone thinks of you? Like, that you you did that?
1: Oh, yeah. Like, I'm such a murderer. And
0: you're fucking next. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's terrible.
1: And then I bet he was like, oh, I so want to be with you now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, yes, the, you know, clearly Lee and Ty had had this Cadillac. Mallory went missing, quote-unquote, but nobody knew he was missing until his Cadillac was found, yeah. and they found that very unusual. Um, but then after that, the case went cold once they interviewed Chastity, and mm. she wasn't linked. David Andrew Spears was a 47-year-old construction worker whose truck was found along Highway 75 in May of 1990. He was declared missing shortly after his truck was found. Mm-hmm. Spears' body was found in a remote area in the woods in Citrus County by a surveyor on June 1st. He was nude, and he was shot with a 22 revolver six times. Dang. Initially, the surveyor who found Spears was under suspicion, as the man was previously known to have a bit of a temper, temper, and he was also known to tote a gun at all times. Once the body was identified as David Spears, however, the man was cleared, I guess just... There was no other connection. Yeah. People described Spears as an honest, hardworking man who rarely had problems with anyone. He was even taking care of his ex wife financially. Mm. So it shows that he's kind of a good guy. Yeah. He's not a rapist like Mallory. Mm-hmm. Charles Edmund Karskatan was a rodeo worker and a part time truck driver. He was 40 years old and would become a victim of Libornos. His time of death was determined to be somewhere around the end of May 1990. His nude body was found June 6th in the neighboring county of Pasco County, but along Highway 75 as well. Hmm. He was so badly decomposed he couldn't be identified right away. Karskattin was shot nine times with a 22 revolver. The detective on the case had heard of a similar M.O. in Citrus County um, of a nude man being shot multiple times and thought it was not likely the first time that the crime scene that he was at that this perpetrator hadn't killed before. Mm -hmm. Because, again, nude body and then... You know what I mean? Yeah. It Yeah, so it's definitely the same M.O. if mm-hmm. she had one. So he decided to notify surrounding counties of this investigation that he had. Lee, at this point, had been driving Carl's Cadden's car, and he actu- she actually um, pawned a pistol that was usually tucked in between the seats. Dumbass. Right?
0: But, okay, so, really quick, the first murder was the self-defense one, and then she, like, hid his body in that rug Carpet. or whatever. yeah. And then... It kind of seems like the second and now third murder weren't self defense, and she kind of realized the first time that hmm, kind of didn't like hate that, you know. But right. You did mention that the first gentleman that was found was not a rapist, so I'm inter- yeah, interested. Yeah, Spears, to see. David
1: Spears. Um, yeah, the, by all accounts, he was a good dude, and even to take care of his ex wife financially. Yeah, like not like an alimony, but like just, just between them, the, the mm-hmm. two of them. So, yeah, everybody thought that Spears was a really great guy and then this Carls Cadden guy haven't really I mean I, from what I can tell didn't have a criminal record mm-hmm. just but was found nude, shot multiple times. Not only that, but in the Mallory case, um he was shot three times. Spears was shot six times. Yeah. And and uh Carls Cadden was shot nine, nine. times. Nine. It's getting like With a revolver, more... you have to reload.
0: Yeah. That's true. <laughs> that it's true. That's kind of, that's gross. Ugh. Give me
1: <sighs> Peter Abram Symes was a retired merchant seaman at age 65. In June of 1990, he decided to take a trip to Arkansas from his hometown of Juniper Springs, uh, Florida, um, to go visit some relatives. It's like a 932 mile drive or something like that. <laughs> I know that because I looked that up. Give or take. <laughs> Just give or take. <laughs> <laughs> Approximately. On July 4th, in a quiet neighborhood, a resident was enjoying the evening air on her porch. All of a sudden, a car comes screeching down the street, losing control, and smashes into like this set of bushes. Two women exit the car, and they're yelling at each other. They start ditching beer cans on the side of the road, and at one point, the brunette became very stoic and quiet. The bright blonde, however, continued to yell. The blonde noticed the woman sitting on her porch and becoming increasingly invested in the scenario. The blonde started yelling out, "Oh, there's no problem. Everything's fine. My dad lives right down the street. We're we'll be fine. No we need." just wrecked her no
0: car and around discarding litter in front no of your need. house. It's yeah. cool. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there's no need. So the two women got in the car, but not before the neighbor could call for help. And at this point she just thought it was a car accident. She didn't yeah. call the police. She just called first responders. Down the street from this incident, the car itself began to struggle and eventually came to a stop because it was so badly damaged. Mm -hmm. The fire department responded to the scene and saw two women walking away from the destroyed vehicle. When confronted by the first responders, the blonde woman began to lash out and became incredibly irate at the notion that they were the women that the first responders were looking for. Police were called to the accident as the women escaped the scene. Police arrived at the scene, ran the plates, and the car turned out to belong to Peter Symes. Inside the car, police would find two crucial pieces of evidence. One was blood smears all throughout the car, and one was a palm print that belonged to Eileen Warnos.
0: A palm print. A palm print.
1: So That's earlier... That's, like,
0: a big piece of evidence to miss when you're, like, trying to... I guess she wasn't trying to clean if she was just trying no, to, No, like, she was just trying car, to get the but...
1: shit out of there, yeah. But they knew it was Eileen's because when she pawned that other dude's gun, they they take handprints. Yeah. And not only that, but she's been throughout the system. Sketches and information was put out um, to all officers in the area to try to locate the two women, including Lee. Unfortunately, Symes' body would never be found. They only found his car, and they just assumed that So who was the
0: it. other woman? Her wife, perhaps?
1: <laughs> Ty, now realizing that they were wanted by police, decided to flee to her sister's place in Pennsylvania. Lee would go on to murder three more men within the next few months. Troy Eugene Berzis, who was 50 years old, was on a delivery route when he went missing before delivering his last few packages of the day. So it's like, yeah. When he didn't return home after work, his wife reported him missing. The delivery truck was used that he used that day was actually found the following morning, 20 miles away from his last known location. He would be found five days later in Marion County, nude and shot twice.
0: Oh my god. So
1: it's not... Okay, so here's the thing, is that if she, if, if every single one of these men were in a situation where they were picking up a prostitute, why would he do that mid-delivery?
0: Yeah, exactly. No, it seems like she originally had this first kill where it was, you know, self-defense, and then she graduated to, okay, this is easy, I can get these guys alone and vulnerable and mm-hmm. naked, then I can do this, and Steal now it's me, like... money
1: and have a transportation.
0: Well, uh-huh. now it's like, well, shit, maybe I don't have to fucking... To be a prostitute or you know, sell my body to get these men, I could just do it, you yeah. know, whenever. Like, it kind of seems like it's graduating.
1: Lee's next victim was 56-year-old Dick Humphreys. He was busy celebrating his 35th wedding anniversary on the 10th of September. However, by the next day, he was reported missing. Oh, the retired... <sighs> the retired Air Force major and former chief of police was found on the 12th of September, fully dressed, but shot seven times in the chest and the head. He, too, was found in Marion County.
0: Former chief of police. Now, she really fucked up on that one. Yeah. Because these guys are never going to sleep until they figure out who the fuck did that.
1: Nope. So, uh, keep in mind, they're looking for her. They know yeah. who she is. Oh, sh-
0: they know it's her the whole time. They
1: know it's they're looking for her. Well, at least, at least for that one murder. At least yeah. wanted as a person of interest. Maybe not for the murder because they at least want to interview her and say, why did you have this man who's missing his car? They don't know he's actually dead because they've never found him. That's
0: true. Ugh.
1: Walter Antonio was 62 at the time of his murder. He was a trucker and security guard. Antonio was found halfway clothed on November 19th, 1990. He was shot four times. He had been murdered sometime within the last 24 hours of being found. So they knew she was in the area.
0: They're catching up to her.
1: Catching up to And uh, remember, Lee is on her own at this point. Ty is not there. Ty is in Pennsylvania. On January 9th, 1991, Lee Warnos was found at a biker bar and brought in on a warrant from a previous failure to appear case. While in a holding cell, police tried to locate Ty in Pennsylvania. Ty agreed to come back to Florida in an attempt to cooperate and strike a deal with police. Detectives agreed to supply Ty with food and alcohol while being posted up in a hotel with the intention of coaxing a confession from Lee Ooh,
0: while scary. she was in jail.
1: So this is the 9th, right? She was arrested on the 9th. This is with the agreement that Ty would serve no um, time whatsoever yeah, yeah. for any involvement that she had. At first, Lee was really suspicious of the conversations being recorded. Ty even said that she was coming into town to pick up some stuff that she had left behind.
0: Like, like months later?
1: Yeah. Yeah. She was like, oh, lot. I'm coming, like, to come pick up some stuff. Yeah, this is like six months later. Yeah,
0: I was just in the neighborhood, even though I live across the country. <laughs> she had to come up with
1: something. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, she knew she was in, in Florida. Yeah. So again, Lee was super suspicious of why Ty was even calling her. She tried to speak in code to not elude police to her being a perpetrator of the murders. Lee would. And it's weird stuff. It's like, oh, go get the ink pen of the... Like, you know, and Ty's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but Ty knew that she was being recorded. that They were being recorded. Yeah. And so she knew she couldn't be held responsible for any of the crimes anyways. So... Ty became very bold with her speech after a while, and after a few days of seeing no extra charges brought upon the two of them, Lee started to get comfortable.
0: Well, yeah, and also, Ty can pretty much say whatever she wants, and makes Eileen comfortable, like, oh, you're se- you're incriminating yourself, so obviously we're not being recorded. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's so scary. Over the
1: course of 11 phone calls, Ty begged Lee to tell the truth about her own involvement in the crimes, and to admit that Ty was completely innocent of all crimes. And she was saying, like, you know, if you don't confess to all of this, they're talking about putting me away and all it and being your accomplice. Yeah. Like, I need you to confess that you did all of this, essentially guilting her. Lee was quoted in saying, quote, you're innocent. I'm not le- going to let you go to jail. If I have to confess for everything, I will. So on January 16th, 1991, Eileen Warnos confessed to all of the murders that she had committed. Oh,
0: my gosh. So this is
1: just, what, seven days a week later? Yeah. She claimed that it was all self-defense from the moment that she started to admit it. On January 27th, 1992, so this is a year later, Eileen Warnos was convicted of murder in the case of Charles Mallory. I didn't go into the trial stuff. It's pretty cut and dry. Yeah. She 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 admitted, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The judge denied her defense attempt to uh, admit Mallory's criminal record into evidence, however, and also denied this um, on grounds for a retrial. Hmm. So they didn't admit the fact that he was a rapist. Yeah. And that he had served time for it. It was not admitted into evidence. Which
0: means that her conviction or her charge is going to just be that much more because it wasn't self-defense. Right. The, the exactly. Defense or she the t- Trying to
1: claim self-defense just based on that one night, that one action, not his previous record yeah. of this being a problem for him. And so, because of that, they, she tried to take it to a retrial and said, I want a retrial with this evidence submitted, and they denied her. Damn. Straight up.
0: But, I mean, at the same time, though, like, she confessed to, like, multiple murders after that in cold blood, so they're probably just like, fuck you, like, sorry, like, even if...
1: Well, she was saying all of them were self-defense at this point.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. They're like, okay, even if that one was truly self-defense, like, you still did this and that and the other, like, multiple times afterwards. Which I
1: don't know, I, I think... Well, she is charged later for other ones, mm-hmm. so I think this is just the Mallory case. Oh, I so I don't think, I mean, I don't, I, yeah. So once these requests were denied, um, Eileen was really discouraged, and um, she would eventually plead no contest to the murders of Dick Humphreys, Troy Burgess, and David Spears.
0: What is no contest?
1: Um, It means I'm not going to admit to it, but I'm also not going to fight it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's kind of, like, in between... Like, indifferent. Guilty or no guilty. Or no guilty. (laughs) Guilty
0: (laughs) Guilty or no guilty.
1: guilty. (laughs) So she did admit on the stand, however, that Mallory had raped her violently, but that these three men had not. Mm -hmm. Although they, quote, began to. So she was saying, well, they didn't technically, but they were starting to.
0: So I just killed them before they could do it. Before they could do it. Which... If it's what th- it's a gray area.
1: Well, I just, it's so hard for me to think about that because if she's traumatized from that event, any sign or detail or even paranoia she might have could manifest that way, you know? I mean, clearly these men were naked.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, like, if these men weren't violent, like, it seems like they weren't, she could have probably just left as left. well, you That's know what true. I mean, rather yeah. than just killing them.
1: Wernos would go on to plead guilty in both the Charles Karskaden and Walt uh, Antonio um, cases. Wernos would receive six death sentences for her crimes. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: Throughout her incarceration, Wernos inconsistently described the events of all of the crimes. So she would tell... I know there was, like, this one TV interview she was giving, and she was very passionate about how these men were just awful men and all sort of stuff, and then the cameras were turned off, and she said... But, you know, it was also, like, they also weren't, that, like, that bad. You know?
0: I know. There's one interview that I haven't really seen a lot about her. I haven't really watched any documentaries. Mm-hmm. But I know that there's one where, like, isn't she, like, really cold in one point? And they're like, why'd you kill him? And she's like, oh, because he was fucking asshole. Like, I just, I did it. Like, I just oh, lured yeah. him I lured him over to my apartment. I just fucking killed him. Like, yeah. what do you want from me? Like, she's, like, super just, like, matter of fact yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. Like, ooh. But I think that's also a
1: defense. Oh, mechanism, of course, of you know, course. like of hers, is to not feel, like, empathy for people. Yeah, that's true. Lee was evaluated while in prison. The psychological test, PCLR, is used to determine the psych- psychopathy of individuals. There are interview portions and personality um, e- evaluations within it. Mm-hmm. The United States recognizes a ceiling of 30 points in order to be considered sociopathic, and Lee had scored a 32. <gasps>
0: Oh no. But like, it seems like a shitload of nurture though. Like I feel like people that are considered a quote unquote psychopathic or sociopathic, that's a lot of nature. Mm -hmm. This seems like a real, I mean, I'm not saying it's not also nature, Mm -hmm. but like with her upbringing and like everything that she was put through. Yeah. It seems like a lot of nurture. Like
1: she was quoted in saying, quote, I killed those men, robbed them cold as ice. And I do it again too. There's no chance in keeping me alive or anything because I'd just kill again. I have hate crawling through my system. I am so sick of hearing this quote. She's crazy stuff. I've been evaluated so many times. I am competent, sane, and I'm trying to tell the truth. I am the one who seriously hates human life, and I would kill again. End quote.
0: I mean, at least she's honest. Savage. Out of everything, she's it's honest. It's true. But she that's knows. also you've you've seen other killers like that too, like. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but there's been some killers, like, the, okay, perfect example, the weepy voice killer, do you know about that guy? Yes. Okay, he- <laughs> I don't know why I can stop killing people, I just don't know why! But, okay, that was a disgustingly, like, accurate <laughs> representation. I've seen a lot of stuff on that But he, for, for example, was one of those people similar to that, is like, I'm just gonna keep doing it, like, you need to help me, like, you need to kill me, like, I'm not gonna stop unless I'm dead, is pretty much what she's saying, and I feel like we've heard that from other people that are sociopathic or psychopathic.
1: Eileen Wuornos would actually begin to beg to die the last few years that she was on death row. She wanted to die so bad. She was, she would go on hunger strikes, um, and she would talk about the crimes in detail more and more, only adding to that, that concept of her just being this monster yeah um in order to continue to fight for the right to die earlier
0: she would be on death row for 10
1: years someone
0: on death row is asking to die i'm not trying to be rude but like why wouldn't you just expedite the process bump me up you're doing it anyway yeah
1: (laughs) it's in she seriously she actually hired a lawyer if i'm correct she hired a lawyer to try to fast track essentially her execution because she was tired of being there.
0: Also, I know that's, like, not easy to, like, do this in prison. But, like, she had six previous suicide attempts. Like, does she have any suicide attempts in prison? Well, that's, for the hunger? She,
1: she tried to starve herself. And not only that, but she um, was also getting very paranoid at this point. Because, I mean, she was she became a meek person, yeah. essentially. Um, not meek, mentally. Mentally, she was, I mean, physically. But she was convinced that people were slowly trying to kill her. Like, they were, like, why, why isn't this death penalty thing going through? Like, you know, she just, like I said, she just wanted to fucking check out. Yeah. And she was thinking that, um, she was being harassed. She she didn't think this, but she was being harassed by security or, or, uh, correctionals officers, corrections officers. She thought that people were poisoning her food. Like, all this stuff. Like, she, she literally thought that she was meant to suffer the last years of her life that's what you get when you're on death row. I'm not saying that that, but
0: when you kill six people, you know,
1: Oh yeah. But so yeah, she, she definitely thought that there was some bigger thing that was going on besides her just sitting on death row.
0: And in reality, it's just like a fucking flaw in the system. Just like, they're like, Oh yeah. There's just like a, there's an order of, you know, inmates that we have to follow and you're Mm -hmm. just not at the top of the list yet. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah,
1: exactly. They're, you know,
0: that's awful. It
1: Yeah. Super sad. Eileen Warnos woke up the morning of October 9th, 2002, and in place of having a last meal, she only requested a cup of coffee. Her last words were, quote, Yes, I would just like to say, I'm sailing with the rock. I'll be back, just like Independence Day with Jesus. June 6th, like the movie, big ship and all, I'll be back. I'll be back. End quote. She was pronounced dead at 9.47 a.m., and um, it was by lethal injection.
0: Damn. Yeah. That's wild. For For some reason, I thought she was alive. I don't know why.
1: (laughs) I don't... Man, so here's the thing, right? So, Warnos has actually been talked about being one of the most famous serial killers of all time. In the last three to four years, she has actually been labeled as a cult hero and feminist icon. It is a story about how the system could fail such a young person and untreated trauma that this woman experienced was so great. It's no wonder that she gained such a trigger response to abuse throughout her life. And an interesting article, if y'all ever want to read anything about this, I didn't get a really good chance to read it, but I skimmed through it. Um, It's an article called How Misogyny Drives the Marginalized to Kill, Mm. which sounded really heavy. And I was like, oh, shit. (laughs)
0: Damn.
1: Yeah, so that's Lee Warnos.
0: I just think that again, I'll say it again. Like the nurture thing has so much to do with it, with all of the shit that she was put through. Right. Not that she had to go through that she was put. She through was purposely as a put child through. Yeah. By her piece of shit, especially grandfather and yeah. his stupid ass friends. Like, I don't. I don't think that any of those men, maybe with exception to the first one, deserved what they got. Yeah. But like, and I don't, I definitely am not excusing her actions when it comes to that. But it's just like, what the fuck do you, what would you do? What would yeah. you do if you were in that situation? And you had that, clearly she's mentally ill as well. Right. So put that on top of everything else, you know? what?
1: So in the Mallory case, um, the, the other side of the pancake, if you will, is the fact that he had served his time. Um, and I didn't specifically look up what he did um, but it had been over 10 years since he had been released from prison and not a single other offense and I'm not saying that doesn't make him a rapist I'm just saying yeah. that's the other side of the pancake and yeah. th- that's what the that's what the prosecution talked about devil's advocate they were saying you know well you say it's because he was this way but what about this
0: did you know
1: did you know Dang. that? yeah so it's like they fought
0: to defend
1: yeah. a dead rapist. I mean, really.
0: And it's, I don't know, man. It's just, that's a, that's a wild story. I had no idea that she was with um, Ty for as long as she was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that at all. I also didn't know about that first, you know, the first murder that she had committed. I didn't really know most of that story. So thank you for sharing that. It's, it's just a so, terrible, awful childhood. It is. Through, and her brother dying to I, that's what I was going to say. The loss
1: of her brother, I'm sure, is like... And, you know, we talked about traumatic events triggering mental illness. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, that moment with Mallory, you know, taking advantage of her just probably put her right back to when she was a kid. Oh yeah. You know, absolutely. and then not having the control. And then realizing, no, I'm a fucking adult. And I, I have, have the control. control.
0: And I have a weapon. Yeah. And I'm gonna use it. Right. Yeah. That's oh man, that's wild. Yeah. She's definitely been a very talked about um, killer recently yeah. even but mm-hmm. for for many years you know and when when i'm sorry when did you say that she died uh
1: 2002 2002
0: okay so yeah. i mean 20 years ago she's cr- a cult shit.
1: classic yeah. yeah she's a criterion collection
0: wow she- that's <laughs> <laughs> that's wow. well thank you for sharing that i was excited to hear that that case mm-hmm. and uh anything else you got no that's okay. it i just want to say one thing really quick it has nothing to do with today's case or anything like that but i just recently um became friends with a girl that just moved here from pennsylvania and i was asking her how far wilkes bar pennsylvania was from where she lived and she goes oh wilkes berry and i was like oh shit i've been pronouncing that wrong Wilkes <laughs> for... <Bar. laughs> it's because it's spelled b-a-r-r-e like mm-hmm. a ballet bar right and so i was saying bar she's like that's pronounced wilkes berry and i was like oh my god because i know that one of the cases that we've done in the past, one whoever it was, was mm-hmm. born there. One oh, of them okay. So I think it yeah. was uh, George Banks. I think was born mm-hmm. there. Anyway, uh, I think we're gonna skip the mental breakdown and we're gonna go straight it's into the next case. case. Doing cases. I think we should just keep doing cases yeah. for a while. I think that's what we needed to do to get the ball rolling and get some more listeners. I agree. I'm also telling everyone that I've ever met about this freaking podcast. So yeah. hopefully everyone's <laughs> listening. Thank you guys for joining us for another case. Please keep listening to us. If you like what we're doing, please send us an email. Reach out to us via social media. We have Instagram at diagnosing a killer. We have Twitter at killer diagnosis, patreon.com slash diagnosing a killer. If you'd like to donate to the Patreon, that will help us get some merch out. We do have some stickers that we finally got printed. So we're going to send those out um, to our Patreons. If you decide to um, donate monetarily, give us an email, let us know, and we'll send you a sticker. And that does have our QR code on it, too, which is pretty cool. And on top of that, I think the only other thing is gmail.com is where you can send us an email. And we are on Twitter. I'm Twitter. We are on TikTok now. And we have our email attached to our TikTok. Yeah. So go check us out. Like, follow, share, subscribe. Thanks, guys, for listening. We will talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Love Love you. you. Love you.